Welcome once again to The Ohio State of Mind, powered by Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio, alongside Tyler Danberg. I'm Caleb Spinner. We've got another week to recap for you. All of it is basketball, which I think is funny and, and convenient here. And then we have another stuffed weekend of Buckeye Athletics to get to. But first, make sure you're always following us on Twitter at State of Mind OSU and also follow SGSR at SGSR underscore OSU. All of those letters are capitalized. And if you listen on Spotify, make sure you're staying tuned till the end of the episode for your question of the day. Let's get right into it now. Number 18 women's basketball played at Illinois on Monday, February 14th. The Buckeyes secured a Big Ten road win against the Fighting Illini 86-67. Ricky Harris had 17 points on 6 of 10 from the field and 5 of 7 from 3. She was the second leading scorer behind Sheldon. I think the first time we've put somebody else other than Mike Siller Sheldon in that top two scoring spot. But OSU outscored or tied the Illini in all but the fourth quarter in which they fell 24-11. to Still able to pull out the win there. But a great performance for Ohio State. And as we talked about with the men's team last week with those bench guys stepping up, Ricky Harris had probably the, her best night of the season scoring. Scoring, distributing, she does it all. And I think, and I was talking to Scarlett Gray's Sports Radio Zone, Cole Emplett, he said that this is going to be known throughout the season as the Ricky Harris game, the one that gives her confidence and the one that gets her involved. Ohio State otherwise 9 of 23 from 3. They would love to see a better conversion rate here, but this is what I want to take from that, Tyler. Especially as we get to tournament time, there's going to be some concern uh, you're, you're going to have to step up your game because you're playing bigger opponents. It's fine that you're shooting 23 shots if you're converting more than nine. Ohio State, I'm I'm nervous with how well they shoot the three. I'm nervous that when they can't, they're going to try to shoot their way out of it to their downfall. They're going to try to chuck up more shots from beyond the arc to try to fix that percentage instead of maybe going to the paint or trying something else. So I'm hoping that a performance like this isn't indicative that they'll ride it until it dies, even if it's not working to start. I don't think it'll be the case because they still had 44 more two-point attempts than the 23 threes. They had 67 in total. So the fact that they're still sinking nine and they're putting up a lot more, about double that so in terms of volume, they're still getting that balance. But you're right, it could be a problem if they keep trying to beat that quote-unquote dead horse, which is the three ball. I mean, you see teams like like Golden State who build their identity off of shooting the three. Now, they do it really well. But on the nights where it doesn't work, you've got to be able to go to Mikula Shikova in the paint. You've got to be able to find somebody else. Gabby Hutcherson on the slash. J.C. Sheldon, we know, is has gotten really well at driving, or really good at driving, rather, over these past few games. Same with Taylor Mikesell. She can score in a flurry of different ways. So just, I just want to see Ohio State, if you get to 25 shots or if you even get to 15 shots and you've made like five or four of them, I would love to see that focus shift rather than shooting your way out of it, finding something that does work. Number 18 men's basketball, they hosted Minnesota Tuesday, February 15th. The Buckeyes buried the Golden Gophers 70-45 to in one of their best home showcases of the season. Ohio State had 47 points in the second half compared to Minnesota's 20. The Buckeyes had 23 in the first half. So exactly when we get on about Ohio State not being able to put up big numbers in the first half, they made up for it in the second. Now, you still don't want to see 23 points in the first half, but to see 47 on the end, at least that tells me they're fixing their mistake. And for them to make those adjustments, they were down. 
They were down 25-23 at the half to Minnesota, one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. And for them to do a complete 180 with not the greatest environment and not the greatest of time slots on a Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern time, for them to still do that and put up the second half numbers like they did the 47 points, holding Minnesota to just about double of what they had in the first half, that's critical for Ohio State on the road further. And speaking of doubles, we have three more here. Ohio State continued to dominate the paint points battle, 28-14. to 14. There's your double. They doubled Minnesota's number in that, in that category. And then here's two, a double-double, if you will. E.J. Liddell, 16 points and 10 rebounds. He continues to make himself a contender for player of the year, but just I, I think it's partially the, the inconsistency that we see from Liddell. He'll go off with 30-some points one night, and then he'll drop to 13, won't be the team's leading scorer, and then he'll come in with a double-double performance, and then he'll fall off again. I just can't see somebody with as varying scoring numbers as Liddell has had this season taking home that award. I get what you're saying, but I still think Caleb E's got a great shot, and, and I would assume that Chris Holtman agrees because he's talked about that the last couple of weeks in terms of Liddell's running for player of the year, but he's got so much value to the lineup. He keeps your team in it. He's the one you want with the last shot. It seems like there's not that much of a big difference between the 30 points and the 13 points because usually in between he's got some strings of 20 points, upper teens, so he's still scoring. I mean, he's top four in the league in scoring, and then you got his rebounding abilities. You've got his his tendencies to distribute. He's one of the best shot blockers in the conference. So I still think that there is a great chance that he can still be the Big Ten Player of the Year despite the surplus of talent in the conference. And I think that there is some consistency within the inconsistency. You know, I hope you're right. I hope it goes mostly towards value rather than numbers because we know there are a lot of players in that in that. Uh, selection or in that finalist uh, bracket that have better numbers consistently than AJ Liddell does. But if you're going on, and this is what I say about the NBA too, I don't base the MVP on numbers. I base it on if you took that player away from their team, which team would have the biggest hit? I think if you take AJ Liddell from the Buckeyes, they'll have people to fill that gap, but not to the point that they would be if you kept him in. And I think that's the difference between player of the year and most valuable player. Do I think that the consistency and value for EJ Liddell should be taken into account when deciding the player of the year? Yes. However, it's not necessarily most valuable player. So when people look at the numbers and numbers alone, I get where they're coming from. But again, it should be a little bit more towards value, maybe a little bit of a balance between value and numbers and the overall productivity of the player. But we'll see what happens come late March and early April. If you like more of this discussion, make sure you're staying informed and on Twitter. Uh, for news about our roundtable discussion for the Big Ten Conference Tournaments for Ohio State men's and women's basketball, featuring our friends on Nothing But Nylon and the Lantern Sports Desk. So make sure you're staying tuned for information on that. Our final basketball game of the week to talk about, number 18 women's basketball at Maryland, Thursday, February 17th. The Buckeyes fell in College Park to the Terps, 77-72, a close-fought game. The Buckeyes beat Maryland at home earlier this season. They were number eight at the time Maryland was. Ohio State, five Terps in double figures, scoring compared to only two 
for the Buckeyes. Uh, Taylor Mikesell was one of them. 29 points was the highest total, not just for Ohio State, but both teams scoring. Ohio State scoring was not a problem, but rebounding was. 44-30, to 30, you cannot have that offset of a rebound uh, battle especially against a team like Maryland. The Terrapins, first off, they were looking for revenge. They got upset in Columbus, and then for them to go out, they had three times more second chance points, basically, than Ohio State did. They put up a great performance on the glass, and that was the key also, balance. When you look at their scores, balance was the key for Maryland. Meanwhile, Ohio State, they were top-heavy. They had no problem getting to the bottom of the cup, but it was who was doing that, and it was m- the majority was Mike Sell and Sheldon as they combined for 51 of Ohio State's 72 points. Which, again, that's great. That is a great feature to have on your team. To know that you have no problem scoring the ball gives you fantastic confidence going into a tournament, knowing that you're going to be able to do that against these big teams, or at least figuring that you'll be able to do that against these big teams, variables pending. But you have to get second-chance points for these, especially. Of course, it's one thing to get defense and shut down an opposing team and make them not able to score, but on these second-chance boards, like that has to happen. You cannot be out-rebounded by a team like Maryland. If you want to stay up with a team like Maryland, you've got to be able to rebound like Maryland does. And I think that was the story that night. And that's where we're going to see a lot more today at Beecham because she played 25 minutes in this game when Mikula Shikova, who played 15, was in some foul trouble, struggled with getting the boards, and if she's out of the game, then you're at a rebounding disadvantage. That's where Beecham's got to come in and shine, and she pulled down five boards. But again, that's where her value has to increase because she's going to be integral on the glass from here on out. And you look at lead changes. Seven lead changes, five times the score was tied. This game is close down to the wire Foul trouble and the hack-a-shack made this a five-point game instead of it being closer. So you look at it, I mean, this was as neck and neck as you get. And I wouldn't be surprised if this could be a marquee matchup come the Big Ten tournament between the two. And again, you love to see everybody getting involved. You love to see uh, especially people like Tanae Beecham, who aren't necessarily in that starting lineup all the time, uh, be able to prove themselves and get into this repetition. So great indicators for Ohio State, just some things that need worked on before you get into the tournament. Now going into our weekend, women's gymnastics is at the Big Five meet on Friday, February 18th at 7 p.m. in Toledo, Ohio. Men's tennis is at the ITA Indoor National Team Championship Friday, February 18th at TBA. By the way, all of this information taken from OhioStateBuckeyes.com, the all-sports schedule there. So if you have any questions about time or what to watch or stuff like that, make sure you go there. These TBA games, uh, the time will get updated as it gets closer to the event. So make sure you're checking in for that if you want to make sure you never miss these. That men's tennis match is in Seattle, Washington. Women's tennis is at Kentucky Friday, February 18th at 4 p.m. You can watch the track.tennis live stream linked to the game badge on the all-sports schedule. That one's in Lexington, Kentucky. Track and field is spending all day Friday the 18th at the Arkansas Qualifier in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You can watch that on SEC Network+. Plus. Number three, women's hockey hosts number two, Wisconsin, Friday, February 18th at 6 p.m. and Saturday, February 19th at 3 p.m. You can watch both of those games on Big Ten Plus. Our very own Zachary Rodier on the call with Neil Sika for both of those games. 
Wisconsin 23-4-4 overall, 18-4-3 in the conference. They swept Ohio State 3-1 and 2-1 in overtime on October 23-24 and in Madison. Ohio State, they couldn't have picked a worse opponent to close out the season with. Wisconsin has gotten nothing but better as we've gone on through this year. An intimidating 23 wins uh, for, for the Badgers. This is going to be a season, or a season ender rather, where you have to play your best hockey. And I think that's a great indicator for where you stack up going into the tournament. But in terms of a team who's trying to fight for that WCHA top spot, this is a bad one to draw. And with that loss against Bemidji State in the final seconds last week, it only gives you lesser of wiggle room in the WCHA. Now you have to take this series against Wisconsin. You have to sweep them. And again, that's you know we're putting a lot of pressure on Nadine Mutzrell and her team. But Ohio State, if they can split, that'd be great. Wisconsin, they've had their number. Ohio State, they've struggled against Wisconsin, including this year. They played in a tough series in late October, but again, that was months ago. A lot can happen. This is five months back, so now in late February, going into early March, into the tournament, a lot has transpired. Wisconsin, they had a little bit of a rough patch, lost a couple games. They had some tough ties, like the one against St. Cloud State, they had a tie that they were not expecting, and the Huskies brought it to them on a random Friday in early February. That took everybody by surprise. So Wisconsin, they're beatable. They're led by Daryl Watts. She's 11 points away from becoming the all-time leading scorer in the history of women's college hockey. If you can stop her, if you can stop Casey O'Brien, the two leading scorers in the nation, I think Ohio State, they have a pivotal spot to take this series. Easier said than done. Also, Ohio State has to rely on Bemidji. They have to drop a couple games here in order for Ohio State to take that top spot. So the destiny of the Buckeyes, not entirely in their own hands. But I would argue since that October series, Ohio State has blossomed from a caterpillar into a butterfly. It's, it's a completely different team that we've seen from those early months to now. Ohio State has really grown into themselves, found what makes them tick, and really honed in on that. So this will be an interesting one to see. I think a little bit more competitive than that uh, than that earlier series was. Number 11 men's hockey is at number 2 Michigan, Friday, February 18th and Saturday, February 19th at 7.30 and 8.30 p.m. respectively. You can watch Game 1 on Big Ten Plus and Game 2 nationally on Big Ten Network. Michigan is 23-7-1 overall. They hold the top spot in the Big Ten. 14 and 6 their record in the conference. They split with the Buckeyes in Columbus, a win 5 to 2 on the first night and then a 6-1 loss on the series finale December 10th and 11th on those games. Michigan another one intimidating to fall. I think it's hilarious that both hockey teams are hilarious because it's a coincidence that both hockey teams, men's and women's, end their season against number 2, one's home, one's away. But still to have that tough luck going into the end of your season, it doesn't do a lot of good for you potentially in the Big Ten standings, but man, does it give you a heck of a measuring stick going into the tournament. It does, and if you can take one or take two of these games against your arch rival, that's one thing. You get bragging rights to take the season series if you can do so, or to get a game and gain some points up on either Minnesota or Michigan because we've got that tied spot right now, a little draw for that spot 
in the Big Ten. But I think the key for Ohio State is just to go out and play. Steve Relic, he doesn't care necessarily about the points, but it would be nice to have home ice for the opening stages of the Big Ten tournament. So if you can look to try and get at least a win, I think a win and three points, if you get a regulation win, Caleb, would be something that settles that debate if they can take that top three spot in the Big Ten and solidify home ice advantage for the Big Ten postseason. Let's put it this way. You don't need both, but you need at least one. You cannot get swept. If you're either team, really, if you're women's or men's, you cannot get swept by these opponents if you want any shot at for the men hosting a tournament for the women finishing in that number one spot for the WCHA. Now, what does it look like if Ohio State, say they lose both games, but they take one to overtime, which there's a good chance that given how highly tense this rivalry is, how close and well these two teams play against each other, at least this year and the last couple of years. So what happens if they go to overtime, they lose that overtime period, but they still gain a point? Well, then it would all depend on, and it's probably still going to, all depend on what Michigan does with Notre Dame. If Notre Dame is able to to lose both of those games to Michigan, Notre Dame is fine or Ohio State is fine, rather. Notre Dame is the only one sitting in that four spot who can jump Ohio State and knock them out of that top three. In the Big Ten tournament, the top three schools host the first round. You'll get uh, one place six, two place five, three place four. So Ohio State, yeah, they'd be in that third spot, and they'd have to host Minnesota, or they'd have to host Notre Dame rather in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, which is something you definitely don't want to happen, but at least you would host the game. So Notre Dame is the only one in the with the potential to jump, it goes from Notre Dame with uh, 32 points, I believe they have, down to the next best is Wisconsin at five with 18. So Wisconsin, no shot at jumping Ohio State. Notre Dame is the only team that can do it at this point. Notre Dame has to lose to Michigan if Ohio State wants to come away with this, and Ohio State has to beat Michigan at least once. Softball is at Leesburg, Florida, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 18th, 19th, and 20th. For five games uh, that you can all watch on Flow Softball, it's a live stream website linked in the all-sports schedule at OhioStateBuckeyes.com. Once again, go to the game badge on that. Friday, they play Butler at 11 and South Alabama at 1.30. Saturday, they play Liberty at 1.30 and Stetson at 4. And Sunday, the Buckeyes face off against North Carolina at 9 a.m. So several great games for Ohio State Softball. They've got a chance to prove their dominance from last weekend going to be a fantastic one. Baseball is also away for several games at the Snowbird Classic, Friday, February 18th, Saturday the 19th, and Sunday the 20th. They play Marshall at 4 p.m. on Friday, Indiana State at noon on Saturday, and Indiana State again at 3.30 on Sunday. This is going to be an interesting one, Caleb. Ohio State, they're down a couple of their top starters, losing guys like, for example, Seth Lonsway, who went to the Major League Draft and was a high pick, one of the best left-handers in the Major League Draft last year. So that gives Ohio State the opportunity to step up with another lefty. That's going to be their ace of the staff. Griffin Smith coming off a great campaign last year, and he's going to get the bump in Game 3 of this four-game series. That's going to be the second game against Indiana State. Also, Isaiah Coupe, who had some opportunities to come out of the bullpen last year. Well, Greg Beals is putting him into a starting spot, at least to a spot start. He's going to open up the season in the opening game against Marshall. So an interesting development to go with another left-hander. Got a lot of stuff. He likes to go to that curveball. Had some success in the Scarlet and Gray series in the fall. And then Ohio State, 
Their two bats are going to be from the shortstop, Captain Zach DeZenzo and Cade Kern coming off an All-American, All-Freshman season last year. Kern is going to be something to watch in the outfield, going to be an anchor to take an eye out for. He's a two-way player. He can hit. He batted 300-plus last year and had some defense. So look for the young guys and the old to provide a spark offensively for Ohio State. Yeah, game four of that series concludes on Monday. We'll talk about that in our Monday episode. But I, I remember vividly, the Zenzo put so many balls over the fence last year, I couldn't count it. I don't think that number has been invented yet. <laughs> so I know he's ready to do that again. You've got to be able, you've got to still be riding momentum even all through this offseason, even though it's snowing and it's the furthest thing from baseball weather you could possibly get now. You know he's ready. You know his batting arm has not cooled down. He ignites the lineup. And for what Ohio State has to offer, he's just such a versatile bat in the lineup. You put him in the leadoff spot where you drop him down to a cleanup role. He adds the power. He's got the contact last year. He was one of the better hitters in the Big Ten last year. He batted 302, and he had a great showing in the MLB Draft League. He was experienced, played a lot during the summer. So now, Caleb, he's got the chance to improve on what he did last year and take it to a whole other level. Women's swimming and diving is at the Big Ten Championships Friday and Saturday, February 18th and 19th, all day on both of those days in Madison, Wisconsin. Rifle is at NCAA, is what's listed on the OhioStateBuckGuys.com link. I would say that that's the NCAA tournament, Saturday, February 19th, a TBA start there, so make sure you're checking back to the all-sports schedule in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Men's Gymnastics hosts number 10 Army Saturday, February 19th at 12 p.m. noon. You can watch that on Big Ten Plus at the Cavelli Center in Columbus, Ohio. Track and field is at the Notre Dame Alex Wilson invite Saturday, February 19th, all day in South Bend, Indiana. Men's lacrosse is at North Carolina and Chapel Hill Saturday, February 19th at 3 p.m. A little fun fact here. I have a family that I went to that I went to high school with who loved the Tar Heels so much that they had four kids. And the middle names were Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Two boys, two girls. North and Ch North and Hill, and then Chapel and Carolina. I'm gonna let this marinate a little bit. You gotta be kidding me. Now I'll give you another one. Alabama. I don't know if you're familiar with the Tumors Corner incident. The guy Harvey Updike that poisoned the trees in Auburn. The famous trees that sit in the middle of their campus and they throw the toilet paper on him. Well, he got so mad when Auburn beat Alabama one year, he poisoned the trees. Anyways, such a fanatic, an Alabama fan, he named his daughter Alabama Updike. It's amazing what fans do when you when you love your place. My children will not be, in fact, South Bend, Indiana in the middle of that or uh, Columbus and Ohio. Well, maybe they could be. I don't know. But yeah, Frances Carolina King, she plays uh, softball at Tennessee State. Uh, down there. As, how, as how, how about that? She plays for Tennessee State, but her what? Would you say your name was Carolina? Carolina yeah, she's one of the she's one of the four. But yeah, go. a little a little bit of a fun fact. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, but we still have notable things. How about that? <laughs> That's a great fun fact. Exactly. Synchronized swimming is at the Wheaton College Invitational Saturday, February nineteenth at TBA and Norton, Massachusetts. Women's soccer, believe it or not, hosts Youngstown State at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Man, you could have picked a heck of a time to start soccer. Usually we're waiting until August to see that. But that's Saturday, February 19th at 6 p.m. 
Men's basketball, number 18 versus Iowa, Saturday, February 19th at 2.30 p.m. You can watch that on Fox. Iowa 17-8 overall, an even 7-7 in the conference. This was a rescheduled game from February 3rd at Ohio State. It's the only time these teams will meet this season. Usually you're in the spot now where you're playing teams for the second time. If you played there, you're playing in Columbus and vice versa. But this will be the only matchup between the Buckeyes and the Hawkeyes. And it's got some fun matchups within the game. E.J. Liddell versus Keegan Murray is going to be the marquee one. Seeing the McCaffrey brothers go up, Patrick Adell, they add a nice little flair to Iowa's lineup. And this is a Hawkeyes team that they lost the player of the year last year in Luca Garzi, won the Wind Award, National Player of the Year. And they're still finding ways to win ball games, and that's a testament to what sixth-year Jordan Bohannon has to offer. It's going to be a fun one at 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. Three more games to get through here. Number 18 women's basketball hosts Wisconsin Sunday, February 20th at 2 p.m. You can watch that on Big Ten Network+. Plus. Wisconsin 7-18 overall, 4-11 in the conference, far from one of the best records in the Big Ten. They lost 67-74 to to Michigan State on Wednesday in their most recent matchup. Ohio State, they should be looking to take advantage of this as a, uh, as a palate cleanser from their loss at Maryland. Something to try and ease themselves up in the Big Ten Conference race. And again, for the Badgers, they play teams tough. You look at that loss to Michigan State. It could happen for them to pull off an upset. So Ohio State, they have to be at their best. But look at this game kind of similar to an Illinois where they're going to have a piece that usually is not in the mix for a leading scorer or a leader in some type of statistical category and have them come out like a Ricky Harris, see maybe a Braxton Miller or a Taylor Theory. This could be one of those games that have the same makeup like those two games against the Fighting Illini. Men's Volleyball versus Purdue-Fort Wayne. That'll take place at the Gavelli Center on Sunday, February 20th at 3 p.m. You can watch that on Big Ten Plus. And finally, Women's Lacrosse versus Marquette, Sunday, February 20th at 12 p.m. noon Eastern. You can watch that on Big Ten Network Plus, and that will be in Columbus, Ohio. For those of you who listen on Spotify and have hung through the entire episode to find out what question we're going to ask you, I got a good one, okay? Wednesday, Tyler, we all know that I go to the men's hockey press conferences, but before I had some extra work, I had to go to the uh, Gene Smith press conference that was called The Night Before, a surprise conference. He said he was going to talk about uh, everything regarding Ohio State Athletics. He said, I think he said like the future landscape of Ohio State Athletics, which is a journalist piques your interest, right? If, if he calls an emergency press conference and says, we're going to be talking about the future of Ohio State, you start to rub your hands together in delight. But he, this is what he said regarding if Ohio State could host a CFP uh, game. He said, I would like for it to be in a covered stadium, basically saying that the environment is a lot easier to control. You don't have to worry about outside factors, stuff like that. Ohio State right now, they play in the shoe. They added on that extra addition, so it's really a bowl, not a shoe anymore. But here's my question, and this is sure to bring people out of the woodworks uh, to give their opinion on this. Would you support turning the shoe into a domed stadium? Or putting a roof on the shoe. Now, before you answer, I would say yes, because think of this. Not only does Ohio State host a CFP game, potentially, but you're also able to have a stadium series hockey game in the shoe. Or maybe a basketball game in the shoe. I like that idea, but you could have a winter classic. I know Ohio State, they still have not really uh, tinkered with the idea of that. 
but the opportunity is there. So you get the Winter Classic. You got the outdoor effect if you want to host a hockey game. It's a great concert venue, too. You got Luke Combs coming in the summer. Me, I'm a pageantry guy. I want to reserve as much history as preserve as much history as possible. I mean, this is a this is an establishment, although it's been renovated multiple times. This dates back to the 20s. I think you don't mess with history. You don't mess with tradition. I think that for me, the shoe is something that stays on the outside, although it's not necessarily a shoe anymore. Some people didn't like the idea of that even, let alone put an entire roof. Now, if it's retractable, maybe I'll be open to that idea. And again, I don't make the big decisions, so this is just my thoughts, but I'd like to keep it an outdoor venue. I mean, I can see both ways to it. Maybe it's just because I came into Ohio State late, into the fandom circle late, that it doesn't mean as much to me as it does a lifelong fan, but I don't know. I would still love to see. I would love to see an outdoor, uh, a, a hockey game played in the shoe, whether it's closed or not. I'll, I'll say that at least. But I think you bring in a lot of potential if you cover it or at least add a semi-retractable roof. Now, from a weather standpoint, it makes all the sense in the world because look at the lacrosse teams right now. They play their games in the shoe, and again, they're going to have their own own stadium. But as of right now, they play in the Woody A's Athletic Center until it is warmer, until we get into mid-March, and then they go to Ohio Stadium to play. So they would probably benefit more than a lot of the other teams individually, let alone the incoming venues, uh, the incoming events like the CFP, like different concerts. So in terms of a team standpoint, lacrosse teams would definitely benefit. So like Dwight Schrute with which kind of bear is best, there are basically two schools of thought here. You keep tradition or you bring in uh, the college football playoff, you potentially some more money there, potentially some more events you can do in there. But let us know your thoughts on that. That is your Spotify question of the day. That'll do it for us until Monday. We'll see you again then for another weekend recap and then previewing the week. But until then, for Tyler Damberg, I'm Caleb Spinner. That's the show. We're out of here.